Great to have you joining us for uh, our Good Friday online experience. I want to take us through a, a short uh, journey through the final hours of, of Jesus' life here on earth. Uh, and this might be a story that's familiar to some of you and maybe uh, completely unfamiliar to some of you. Um, hopefully uh, today and just for the short time that we have together, I can bring maybe some fresh perspective and something that's going to impact your heart wherever you are on your journey uh, in relation to following Jesus. The, um, what we now gather uh, together globally, uh, followers of Jesus all around the world, um, originally took place in, the, in the, the chain of events, originally took place in what was the Jewish feast of Passover. And uh, what we now call the Last Supper um, was actually uh, Jesus gathering together with his closest followers um, to, to have a meal, to have this Passover meal. And, and they would have likely done that uh, for the past two or three years. Um, and so they gathered again, as was custom uh, for, for Jewish people. But this particular Feast of Passover, this particular meal that they shared together was very, very different um, and caught pretty much everybody, apart from Jesus, uh, by surprise. So they were having the meal. Everything was was traditional, standard, uh, kind of as you'd expect. And, and at one point uh, during the meal, one of Jesus' chosen 12, uh, Judas, a guy named Judas, uh, kind of scooched off from the meal. Um, and what he did next set off a, a chain of events that literally has impacted all of history uh, right up to this day. And it's and instead of a, a chain of events that ultimately led us to why we're gathering here or online together. Uh, Judas had already arranged to meet uh, away from where, where they were having their, their uh, feast of Passover. He'd already arranged to meet some high priests, uh, some Jewish religious leaders, and he'd offered to betray Jesus. They, they had felt Jesus was a threat. Jesus' uh, growing popularity was a threat to their authority and their influence. Um, and so they, they wanted to quash the threat. They wanted to essentially get Jesus out of the way. And so they brokered this arrangement with Judas where they would pay Judas uh, what was just a very small amount of money um, to actually hand Jesus over to them. And so that's precisely what happened. Uh, Judas pointed out who Jesus was. Uh, the religious leaders grabbed Jesus and they actually marched him in and, and they actually presented him uh, before the Roman governor, uh, a guy named Pontius Pilate. And they said to, to Pontius Pilate, this, this man, his name is Jesus. He claims to be the king of the Jews. And um, Pontius Pilate was essentially bound to, uh, to hear this case, to essentially preside over this case. And so he, he, he literally uh, took his place on what was known as the judgment seat as the governor, uh, Roman governor of, of Jerusalem. He took his place, and, and, and in that moment, um, a, a court was in session. At, at that moment, the trial had commenced with Pilate sitting uh, in the seat of judgment, uh, Jesus in front of him, the accused, accused of claiming to be the king of the Jews, um, and the religious leaders, but actually by this stage, the religious leaders had actually moved away from Jesus and away from Pilate, and they'd actually uh, taken their places in front because a crowd had started to gather. You know, news uh, traveled quickly, and, and Jesus was a bit of a rock star. 
You know, it was only a week prior to this that he'd entered Jerusalem and, and, and the crowds gathered and they kind of worshipped him uh, that week before. So news that he'd been brought before Pilate and this trial was about to start brought them out. And the religious leaders inserted themselves among uh, the crowd. And Pilate asked Jesus the question, you know, and it's pretty standard and we would see this in a courtroom today. He, uh, the, the religious leaders had said to Pilate, this man, this is the, the, this is the accusation against him. This is why we brought you to him. This man, Jesus, claims to be the king of the Jews. So Pilate asks what would be a pretty straightforward question in a courtroom. He said to Jesus, okay, are you the king of the Jews? And see, Pilate, as the Roman governor, he, he, was, he was kind of facing, a, a, staring down the barrel of a checkmate situation. Um, because in the Roman Empire, which was, which was vast and, 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 and sprawling, they had taken over countries, they'd taken over regions, and they had uh, essentially um, absorbed all of those countries and absorbed all of those regions into the Roman Empire. So what was once uh, other colonies, other, not other, other regions, other countries, uh, called by name with their own rulers and their own government, they were now part of the Roman Empire. And the head of this Roman Empire was Caesar, back in Rome. And Caesar, whilst not a king, essentially saw himself as a king and, and, and certainly uh, wouldn't tolerate um, anyone else within their empire calling themselves a king. So right here we had uh, this man, Jesus, who had been accused of calling himself the king of the Jews. And Pilate was essentially duty-bound to to kill him, to get rid of the threat, to, to, to eliminate him because the Roman Empire had only, play, had only one place for one king um, and that was the Caesar back, back in Rome. But at the same time, Pilate wasn't sure that Jesus was uh, a threat. He, he wasn't sure himself that Jesus was, was guilty of this crime. And so he quickly figured a way out. It was customary uh, every year, or tradition every year, for the Roman governor to release one of the prisoners, um, you know, essentially pardon one of the prisoners that, it, that, that, that was in, uh, held captive uh, at the time, to pardon them and release them. But the, the, the person uh, chosen to be released was actually to, to be chosen by the crowd, and that had happened every year. And so what Pilate thought to do is, is, is rather than him make the decision, he essentially decided he was going to abdicate that responsibility and, and put that responsibility out to the crowd. So he called for one of the most infamous uh, criminals, a criminal that would have been known to the people in that area, a man named Barabbas. And he had Barabbas brought out and, and, and he had Barabbas and Jesus stand before the crowd uh, and, asked, and, and Pilate asked the crowd the question, uh, who do you want? to see pardoned and released. And before the crowd can answer, uh, something peculiar happened. And a woman entered the pages of history uh, in that very moment. And that woman, her name is Claudia. And Claudia was actually Pontius Pilate's wife. And we, we don't know much about her. In, in fact, essentially, all that we know about her in, in this uh, setting is one sentence that was written by Matthew in therefore one of the four accounts of Jesus' life. Claudia, or Claudia uh, 
occupies one sentence across the four accounts of Jesus' life. And this is what Matthew wrote in that moment. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man. For I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. It was just a nightmare. Or was it? These dreams, they won't leave me. All the people to have dreamed about him, why me? Call him what you want, a criminal, a lunatic. All I know is this, Jesus claimed to have a direct connection to God. Nightmares, they came with a message. What do I do with this message? What if the nightmares came from the devil himself? to thwart the plans of the man they say saves souls? What if it came from an angel? Saying his time had come to rule the world? I did the only thing I could do, even though I knew it could cost my husband and I our privileged positions. My husband have nothing to do with that man, Jesus. The city was already heaving with people from the Passover. The Jews surely would have rioted. I can only pretend to know what real power feels like, for I'm only married to it. Does innocent blood run warmer on his hands? Does regret steal his sleep? Whatever the case, he did not listen to me. His followers say that he will come back to life. Let me assure you, there is no coming back from what he succumbed to. Who do I say that he is? This man who stood stoically as he was beaten, ridiculed, and tortured. Who claimed things I'd never seen another human being claim. who talked peacefully as far as I could ever tell. I have no idea who he was. But it doesn't matter. He's dead. Well, presented with the choice between releasing Barabbas or releasing Jesus, the crowd actually chose Barabbas. And because of that, uh, within one hour of Claudia sending her husband the message, Jesus was hanging on a cross. And within six hours of Claudia sending her husband the message, uh, Jesus uh, had given up his, his spirit uh, to, to die. And because, essentially, apart from what Claudia sent to her husband, we don't really know a great deal about her. Uh, we don't know, while she believed Jesus was innocent, uh, we don't know if she believed Jesus was the Son of God. 
Um, but in my experience, it's, it's impossible to have an encounter with Jesus and ignore the question that he asks, which is, who do you say I am? And that's a question he first asked his followers. You know, he, he'd, he'd ask them, he asked them, well, what are people saying about me? You know, what's the talk of the town? Who, who are they say, saying I am? And then he asked them, asked the 12, well, okay, that's what they are saying I am, but who do you say I am? And Simon Peter, a uh, pretty activistic guy, he kind of put his hand up as the spokesperson for the 12, and, and he said, well, well, I believe you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And it's a question that I was confronted with when I was 24, and uh, the question, who do you say Jesus is? And uh, I answered that question. I answered that question in a, in a, on a Monday night here in Perth uh, with a group of 20-somethings. And the question was asked, asked of me, who do you say Jesus is? And I, I found myself uh, for firmly believing and declaring that I believe Jesus is the Son of God. And uh, that's a question I'm, I'm asking of you today. Wherever you are on your journey, however close you are to Jesus, um, who do you say he is? Essentially, there's, there's three answers to the question. You know, is he the son of God? Well, there's three answers. The, the, the answer, no. No, I don't believe he's the son of God. And that's, that is an answer. There's the answer, I don't know, which sometimes is the most honest answer someone can give. You know? um, and then there's the answer, yes. And I've, I've said that answer, yes. And some of you here with us online today, you've answered yes. And literally hundreds of millions of people in this 24-hour period are going to be uh, gathering together, most likely virtually, um, in homes and small uh, gatherings. People have said yes to that question as well. Do you believe Jesus is the Son of God? And they're going to be gathering together on what, despite being uh, this, the, the, the timing or the remembering of Jesus' actual death and Jesus' crucifixion, um, actually gathering together and celebrating what's become called Good Friday. And the reason we call it Good Friday is because the chain of events that Judas' betrayal set off didn't end with the cross. And they actually, they actually uh, didn't end at all. They actually went on into an eternal reality when Jesus three days later rose from the grave and conquered death. Um, but on this day, Good Friday, uh, Jesus' followers all around the world are going to take together, are going to take what we call communion. And essentially with communion and different uh, traditions of, of, of Christianity have some different form factors, um, but it essentially follows Jesus' example in that, that room when he was gathered with his 12 for the Passover feast, again, what we now call the Last Supper. And he took a piece of bread, and, and I want you, uh, if you haven't got some bread and maybe some juice, just push pause on the video. Uh, we don't like to normally let you know you can pause it, but you can. Uh, and just go and fetch some cracker or a bit of bread for, for whoever's gathered with you, um, and maybe a little bit of juice. And, and let's, just, uh, let's just take a moment, or a few moments actually, uh, to have that together. And what Jesus asked of us, he encourages us to do is, is with 
the, uh, the bread or the cracker, when we take that, to actually pause and reflect uh, on what this symbolizes, that this, this symbolizes his body that was actually given up, that was actually sacrificed for us, that his death made it possible for us to ultimately have our sins forgiven and have a relationship with God. Uh, and then some juice or some wine or, or some, you know, something that, what it represents is Jesus' blood that was also uh, shed on the cross. And, and what, what we're going to do now is we're going to roll a video. And I'm going to be honest, it goes for four minutes and 43 seconds. And I don't think that's a long time. In fact, we've deliberately chosen this video because actually, very uniquely, we don't have to go anywhere. We don't have to leave the place that we're gathered wherever you are. And so I wanted to take, for us to take this opportunity, very unique opportunity, to really just sink into this, really lean into this, really just take the four or so minutes um, while this video is playing and just tell Jesus what you're thankful for. Just allow him to remind you of how significant what he's done has made possible for you. And any time during this video, you just eat that uh, bread or cracker and you just drink that juice in your own time. Um, and just give thanks, thank him. Express your gratitude. And then uh, we'll come back. <laughs> 